Well, we're super excited to have you and very, very thrilled that you came on the show because, you know, you. you have been doing this for so long and your show is so crisp and so just like well run. And we were Thank so you. thrilled. It is. I We listen to your audio. Shawnee's got a big audio background, comes from producing and music. And we really appreciate a crisp, crisp episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, this week's episode and last week's episode were recorded while the construction was going on between my house and my neighbor's house. And so like there's like landscapers as guest appearances walking back and forth <laughs> with a backhoe. So it is not so crisp this week and last. Okay. So I really well, appreciate that compliment. Well, well, that was an anomaly, not a rule. <laughs> Thank you. And we're excited, you know, that you're here to talk about... How did you guys pronounce her name? I said Zenny. Is that what you Zenny. guys saying? Okay. Zenny. That's what I was saying. Because then I was like, is it supposed to be like Jenny? Like some, you know, am I supposed to be getting crazy with this? It's just Z-E-N-I. I don't know why I would have thought you guys, but I did. So it's Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And it is book number two of the Loose Ends series. You ready to get into it, you guys? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get popping. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you say Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. So the reason I chose this one, Sarah, is because Shawnee only listens to audiobooks and Rafe, which is book one in this series, does not have an audiobook yet. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll do book number two. And then she also says it can be a standalone. And I didn't feel like I missed out not having read book one at all. No, me neither. Did, did you read book one before this one? Nope. Okay. We didn't either. And we were really excited. We had been trying to get her into one of our seasons because we hear her name a lot in the indie space, in Black authors, Black romance. And so we were really excited to dive into one of her books. And I must say that I loved this cover. If I had seen this in a bookstore, I would have been very happy to pull up. She had glasses pointed down. She looked very beautiful and sad. The colors with the little circles popping around her. I enjoyed that cover. It's luscious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. It, it really is. She got a little, her little Afro puff. Yeah. Shawnee, uh, <laughs> is this what you imagined her to be when you w- listened to the story, though? Because this uh, is not what I imagined her to look like at all. Honestly, I I was looking at the cover most of the time I was listening. Uh, Sometimes okay. I, I start daydreaming while I stare at. My, don't ask. Don't ask me why I do this. But I stare at Audible. And like, cause I get to the book and then I start daydreaming and I'll literally have that cover sitting in front of my face for the whole, like the whole time I'm listening. So I kind of, she, that the cover actually did become what she looked like. Um, but it was, it was definitely an interesting, uh, listen. Um, I, I love the narrator of this book, <laughs> uh, Anthony Ferguson. I mean, he, he did all the things for me that needed to be done in this book. <laughs> Sarah's raising a fist in the air. <laughs> I particularly love when I'm listening to audiobooks in the car, and uh, this is obviously not what I'm going to listen to with my children in the car. My favorite is when I'm listening to an audiobook and I'm driving, and Google interrupts at the perfect moment. And then she said, Turn right at the exit. <laughs> so I imagine listening to this one in the car would yeah. be 
such whiplash of wait, what, what, what with even without Google interrupting. Yeah. Never, I never thought about how important the audiobook cover is when you're, when you're using an audio app like that, you're just going to see the cover. Like that's all you're going to see on that screen, unless you're doing other things and it's running in the background. It, it didn't really occur to me that whereas with digital books, I hardly ever see the cover. Like yeah. if I buy a book, I don't even see the cover half the time. And if I'm getting an advanced copy, there is no cover. But with an audiobook, th- that is something you're always going to see the minute you pull up the. Yeah, I, I never thought about how much time you're going to spend looking at the audio cover. That's really interesting, and it's it's luckily it's a it's a beautiful, gorgeous cover. It is. It's pretty. I like it. She's got she's got her little. You can feel her her energy in the cover. Um, but like but like you said, it's like um, either I'm staring at it because I open it up and I'm laying in my bed and there's not not doing anything else. Or mm-hmm. if I'm listening to it in the background, a lot of times I'll miss something. And so like many, many times I go to it, pull it, open it up to rewind, go back. And go back, you know, so I see the cover quite a bit. Um, so, so yeah, so she just became, you know, the person. However, I did feel like I was missing something. I don't know if, if it was from reading book one and I read a review on Goodreads that said this and I was like, oh, maybe this is what I was feeling. Um, because I felt like I didn't learn a lot um about about Mason like there was like I was like I wanted to know a little bit more about the music I wanted to know a, a little more about her family dynamics there was stuff I I felt like was there were kind of holes in the story um or not I wouldn't say holes but there was just like I wanted some more information um and then somebody said that uh, Rebecca Witherspoon is like tying all these characters from different um, from different series or different something together so that, um, so he might've been a main, a, a bigger character in another book coming into this book. You know? I, think I, no he, I think he was in another book in the Silas and Liz book. Um, but, or Silas, 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 Silas. Um, I like struggle with pronunciation right now <laughs> on the fence. Anyways, with Silas and Liz, he was in their book. I do agree with you though. I felt like I didn't get a whole lot of background. And I think if you're billing a book as something that can be a standalone, you're going to have to fill it in a little bit at the beginning, even if it's like maybe a repeat for someone who's already read your books. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, it wasn't until like the last pages of the books that he's like, I play 17 instruments. And I was like, whoa, we've only talked about like three. Yes. What, have, what do you mean you play 17? Like, I was like, wow, that's dope as hell. Like, and I didn't know he was like, I knew he was good. And he really liked music, but they didn't indicate that he like could have a career in it. Yeah. He was talking about, oh, I was in this band with Duncan and we fell in love. But like, who hasn't been in a fucking band? I've been in a band. I was in a country band for two years in Chicago. I am not a musician. I just, my sister and my friend played banjo and we were like, let's make a band. So we did like, Shawnee's dying, you guys. She's dying so hard inside. She's like off her chair dying at me right now. Shawnee, I was in a country band. Get over it. I don't even like country music, you guys. I just my the sister banjo. You got me with the banjo, man. Yeah. Well, I get fully there. expect I, Shani, that I, I, you I should played, be playing I played bass. the theme. Oh, you played no, bass. No, I didn't play banjo. I played the bass on two songs. I played the drums and I was the lead singer on one song and the backup singer on all the songs. 
I just was like the jack of all trades. I was like, what instrument you want me to like, just pick up just for the song. I'll learn only four chords. I'll play four <laughs> chords in rhythm. That's the felt too. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know he played 17 songs. And then I know we're skipping way to the end, but he ends up like going and being like a session musician. And then maybe he's going to go on tour with someone as a musician. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I know he loved music, but I thought he was going to be like a music teacher at the end. Or like, it's just like his passion, his hobby, but not something he can make a career out of. I felt yeah. like I was that came out of left field a little bit for me. That was my biggest issue. Um, there were so many things that I loved about the characters, about the story, and the way in which some really familiar elements were deployed in this book. Like I thought they were fabulous, but there were so many unresolved issues. Like his musicianship, his family, all of a sudden his mom's there. And I'm like, wait, I thought your mom was in Cleveland. What, what is she doing in Scotland? Why is your dad over here? What's up with your dad? He's a total jerk. Are you okay? And then her <laughs> mom and her family. And the thing is, the, 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 the thing about the book is that Zenny comes to this town because her aunt has died and she has inherited what turns out to be a metric butt ton of money. Yes that kind of money changes a lot of things. And I don't think those changes were fully explored as they come into conflict with the already existing family problems that she has. Her family is a hot mess and it's not her mess. It's her mom and her aunts and they were part of an R and B group and then things went bad. And what, what happened? What went bad? Yeah. We never get to know. This is, this is actually, okay. Bridget, when you you read this, you you, you know what I'm going to say already. Okay. This book is so similar to my real life, right? (laughs) It is so insanely similar to my real life that, uh, that it's, it's easier to, to kind of ask the same questions you are, but like, what about this? What about this? Yeah. Right. So she talks about being a doula as a, a postpartum doula, right? She talks about being a witch, which is synonymous with empaths. We we're all witchy types, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we do Sarah's the same waving things. At yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm nodding um, empathically right now. Empathically, yeah. yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and my, my aunt was a very famous singer. My mom was her backup singer. I grew up on tour. Like, you know, our, my family's Sarah, it's, it's Diana Ross, in case you're wondering. It's not Diana Ross. It's not, what's her name? Donna Summer. Donna Summers. <laughs> I always get it wrong in my mind. It's Donna it's Summers, okay. Sarah. Donna oh, Summers. Yeah. Time the hell out. Your aunt was Donna Summers? Yeah. Yes. Holy crap. Yeah. So Shawnee, like, when like when they were talking about like touring and everybody's gone on tour and like Shawnee's whole family was on tour her whole life. They all went as like a little baby troop of little children and adults on tour. And oh my God, Shawnee, there were so many things in this book that made me think of you. So it's like the postpartum doula. You love thick dudes. You love a big man. Love, love a big Scottish, man. Love the <laughs> Scottish brogue. I was like, this you're is- dr- eerie a, a dream of yours would be some dude being like will you come over here and explore pegging with me be yes. like yes i would love to explore pegging with you <laughs> i i literally just i i literally like asked my partner like a few weeks ago like can i peg you <laughs> And Highlanders are the number one historical book I've ever read. They're my favorite. This is mm-hmm. everything that I could like that you could encompass in a in a book. I'm like, this book is me. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
This Even is like, like a ghost story you would tell in like fourth grade. <laughs> and then I learned that this whole, my whole life was in this book. In this book. Yeah. Even, the way, even did you her, inherit several billion bazillion I dollars? Wish. I'm hoping that's coming. <laughs> hoping it. Hoping. Let me download that from the universe right now. That was okay. So that's the other thing. Talk going back to Sarah, your original point of like we didn't get enough information about the aunt's backstory because they should know that she's super rich. If she's a very famous musician, they sh- share residuals on their early hits. They should know like kind of what money's coming in and they know she lives in like a massive mansion. Like they know she's like, they, or maybe they don't know she has $25 million or $23 million, but they should know she's rich. In a house on Martha's Vineyard? Well, that one no one knew about. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew about that. Zenny that was a secret house. One. Nobody knew about a bunch of the stuff that was secret in the, baby, secret in house. Secret baby, the, secret the house. Will, the thing I will say is that um, I, I find it to be the opposite. I actually find that when people are famous, people assume they have more money than they actually have, right? Yeah. So like, so like, I just know, you know my aunt's early stuff. She didn't own any of that music. So like, yep. Giorgio Moroder and those people made all the money on that early stuff. That was she had a big legal fight about that. So she was like broke as shit, and like one of the most massive, you know, people like being like Beyonce and having no money, you know. So the finances, I I feel like you never know what anyone's finances are. So it it does make sense to me that she could be as rich as she was and nobody know it. You know, she could have made real estate investments and nobody knew and she was keeping it tight. I, that, that for me, um, was believable. The weird, I mean, it was weird. The whole like Zenny being her daughter, like that, yeah. you know, that I thing. I felt like but, she gave, forgave her mom real quick. I'd have been you. like, yes. mom, that was my biggest fuck you. issue. I am 30 some years old. They you didn't talk me. about it. They didn't you talk about it. And then all of a sudden she's giving no. them retirement advice. I'm like, you are literally a millionaire. What are you doing? doing you need like you need an attorney and you need a financial advisor and you need some people to help protect you from like and and her they they never worked it out and i and i feel like her mother in the story got forgiveness that she did not earn i agree like boundaries are a thing yeah i agree well the, this book was weird. it was it was interesting right because it kind of did something that i like but also it, it there were some t- things that didn't work right so there was actually not really conflict between her um and zenny and mason right they not were very they were very like okay yeah sure you want to do that okay sure you know yes. like they didn't and which i i enjoyed the fact that that they were sensible people like they okay. just the things that they did felt sensible even when he left which i don't like when you know when hate our it. girl leaves hey Shawnee, you know is my number one problem you know, with this book i hate in books when they just like leave without having a conversation like neither one of them has a conversation before about like could we make it work could we be together he just decides i'm not good for her and bounces the fuck out of the country and oh I'm yeah like, that was no that Hello. was no. Out of, out, it was not consistent with his character because he was very no. open and forthright about other yeah. things as well. I, I, I mean, she pegged him. They had they had enough conversation <laughs> for him to get pegged. That like yeah. to me, there was a, know, there was which, an order of sex toys yes. purchase, purchase along with like a half yes. pound of Skittles yes. based yes. on the <laughs> d- detail of their conversations. Yes, yeah. which um, I did wish that there was a little bit more conversation about um, the pegging and the butt plug uh, because when. 
when she pegged him and then he flipped her around and he's going to use the butt plug on her, but they never really talked about that. He didn't Ahead tell of, her about he that. He didn't tell yeah. her about it. And she has a moment of trepidation in that process, you know, yeah. and then she decides to go with it. But I kind of wish there had been a moment of more talking, uh, yeah. more talking about like, yeah, like or be like, this one's line. for you. This yes. one's, Cause I thought it was going to be for him to like, get ready for the pegging. Yeah. That's what I thought originally. So, so like we always talk like, you know, you can uh, have sex with somebody and you don't need to ask for consent every time. Once you guys have the vibe of each other, you know, when you're going at it, you know? Um, but when you go to the butt, when you move from the front to the back, do we need yeah. a new conversation? Like yeah. a new, we need a new agreement, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I didn't feel like there was any sort of agreement there. Uh, <laughs> and she was kind of like, uh, and he's kind of like, he has trust me in the eyes. I mean, yeah. I felt like they didn't really do a good, <laughs> good yeah. job. Of that. I, their sexual, their sexual relationship was so great because it was like they wanted to bang, so they did. Yeah. Like, why not? Go ahead. I like that. I'm lonely. They were very open, and I love that they were their honest, like, authentic selves with them. The conflict between them was our marriage is temporary, and you're only in town temporarily, and right. you're not going to stay here yeah. in this right. big old house that you've inherited. Don't mm-hmm. know why, but apparently not. Um, I felt <laughs> like their their issues were all. Um, time-based mm-hmm. and they were in this little bubble of weirdness and grief and mm-hmm. fake marriage. Like mm-hmm. I, I love how old tropes were deployed in this story. It made, I agree. it was so interesting, yeah. but I agree the things that they did really well, like talk didn't happen when it would have made sense for them to have a yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And part of me is like, happy that she didn't end up in the town because obviously that's a big trope of like one character or the other ends up in the small town sort of thing. However, despite the co- the cover making her look very cosmopolitan and like cool, she's like, oh no, I like to craft and knit and crochet and I'm a homebody and all I do is like watch TV with my friends and teach, which I'm not even sure I want to do anymore. And I was like, oh, so she is going to move there because she Why already you... likes this quieter life. She already right. likes his friends and family. She already, like, she made multiple comments to Liz, like, oh, you're not going to, like, sell me on this small town thing. And I was like, oh, well, obviously she is. Like, you're being sold. And then, especially, and maybe this is just my own thought, but especially because her family is a fucking mess. And if I was her, I'd be like, yo, I am going to take a hot, I'm going to retire from my job, which I don't need anymore. I'm going to live in this house. I'm going to figure my own self out, figure out what I want to do away from your expectations, away from your pressure. Cause her mom doesn't deserve that. That thank you. I don't think, or the, I'm sorry or whatever. And also her mom, the whole book is pressuring her. Like I'm going to fly out there. If you don't talk to me, I'm going to show her, up like never apologize. Her. I know. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, if I was her, I'd be like, look, y'all, I just inherited $20 million. Don't come a knocking. I'm gonna figure my life out in this mansion. I'm Martha's Vineyard, baby. That's what I'm gonna do. There's, there's also like this aspect when you're talking about um, you know, so uh, like I'm reading this book also as a black woman reading this book, right? <clears throat> there's a lot of references and that and that sort of thing. And one of the big things is that like in the black community, there's a lot of us people who are witchy and empaths who are working really hard to break the generational curses that have come down, you know, with, with us, the traumas and that sort of thing. And so with that comes a lot of heavy and deep conversation. It means challenging the, the, 
the ideas that your parents had and their parents had, you know, to them. So I felt like there was a great moment here, right? For, for, for the theme of the book, I thought that was a great moment for her to have a real conversation with her mom, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that that didn't happen, not nope. even, not even an extra three lines, you know, like nope. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's such a missed moment. Like, yeah. because, because we're all out here trying to do that work, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, for somebody who was who described as a witchy person, who's, you know, what, like all the characteristics she talks about in her spirituality and in her life journey, I just felt it would have been on brand. Definitely. And the idea that it is so hard to say to your family, I'm not doing things the way you do them. The the way you've always done things doesn't work for me anymore. And so here's this massive secret that she's confronting this and and it changes fundamental aspects of her identity. Um, She, she, I don't think Zenny had enough space to to truly come to terms with all of the things that she learned. And I don't think that there were sufficient, it sounds petty, but I don't think there were sufficient consequences for the decisions that other people made for her. Yeah, and, I agree. and on one hand, her aunt is like, all right, well, um, I kept the secret from you and there was <laughs> all this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am going to arrange your marriage and leave you a butt ton of money. So your financial problems are solved, but here's an extra serving of Hard emotional off. problems. I think right. my, my favorite line was seems like now would be a good time to start seeing a therapist. I was like, yeah. yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> well, Major life I, changes. I think all the, one thing I didn't like is that all the emotional work that you're talking about happened in between the six month gap of we don't see anything. Yeah. So in this six month gap, she says, Oh, I started seeing a therapist. I, I moved, I used some of the money to move into this house or apartment neighborhood that I've always wanted with like, blah, blah, blah. Like I got my sex swing. I got a big bed. Stop, didn't stop wearing her wedding ring. Cause she's clearly like still longing for Mason. So like in one paragraph, like we got something that I wish we had gotten maybe two or All three compressed. chapters of like, of that. Cause that I think is the real like emotional messy especially, work. Especially cause the book actually felt short to me. Like, yeah, it, I could have, yeah, I could have done more book. Like this could have been more of a meal. Yeah. And and one of the things that happens when you have characters who are in this bubble, however the bubble is constructed, like we're we're trapped in a, in a in a hotel because of snow, we're stuck <laughs> in this space. We are trapped in this bubble. They have a limited time created by their arranged marriage, by her vacation time from her job, which again she's not sure she wants to keep by her, you know, this time limit of her parents or her mother saying, I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up if you don't talk to me. There's all of these time limits creating boundaries for them to have this sort of temporary, it's almost like a vacation romance, except it's a crappy vacation because it's a grief vacation, but it's almost like a vacation fling. Like this is only temporary. I'm only here for this amount of time. And this is the time boundary of our relationship. The interesting part happens once that bubble is broken and you have to invite the rest of your life back into your bubble and the bubble has to like the people, then the things that you became and the person that you are in that little space of time, you have to integrate that into your, the rest of your life. And I think that for Zenny, the outside of her life, like her friends, her group, her, her mom, her stepdad, her aunts, her, her cousins who show up and then disappear, disappear, never come back, never come back. All of those people needed to be integrated with what happens with her and Mason and Mason's family. And it's like those two things were kept very separate until the very end 
when it's like Mason and his mom are there. And I'm like, but, 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 but that, that reentry into your old life after you've had a temporary new life is hard. And that's where the conflict is. And it just skipped right over it. I wanted more. Would you have gone to Scotland with your horrible father? Because I would have been like, peace, motherfucker. That guy. <laughs> I will Fuck see you to the airport guy. and be on your way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. First off, especially after he, he like insulted her so much or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> but... But like there was there was another boundary issue for for me too, and and I don't know you know it was just a thing that I noticed right, which is that um, well when he actually talks to her mom on the phone, when Mason talks to the mom on the phone, for me I I, cr- I was cringing when I was reading this you know, and he was trying try, like explaining himself and trying to be like you know very respectful and be like well you know she got this twenty three million dollars and I was like I don't think she's told her anybody yeah, in her family how much money. Yep. You know, because she didn't want the hassle. And then and then the thing was all the cousins were coming forward being like, well, if she left you more money, then you have to split it with us. Or like they mentioned no. that or whatever. And I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. But then she never was, was mentioned again. But yeah, that but was then, never brought up again at the end. Like there was no mention of like, oh, well, now I'm estranged from several cousins because they are trying to come after this money. Like Everything's it reminded fine. me of those people who win the lottery and then all of a sudden they have no friends and family. They just have people that want money from them. And then they're mm-hmm. broke in like and six then months. They, <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need, like I said, you need an advisor and you need an attorney and you need some boundaries. Both of these yeah. people need boundaries, yeah. yeah, bigger boundaries, especially Zenny. Oh, and the, and the, um, what was it? The, the town recorder, the town, oh, Deborah, Deborah. Random, random. Deborah's a witch, and she's having a bad day. Like, was that going to be a thing? Yeah, I didn't understand what was. I think that I'm like, was that a joke? I I was like thinking she was joking about it, and like I did too. I I I I didn't expect like the wedding that she was like, oh, it happened. So so Deborah Deborah was the woman who worked at the county recording office, and you end up marrying them, and. She is like the worst marriage official ever and just like rushes through everything and like takes all the fun out of it. And then they see her later and Zenny makes a comment saying she's, oh, well, I think she's a witch and she just had a bad day and she knows she's like storing her energy up. But I thought she was like joking with Mason because he was like being polite to her. And so she was kind of playing off that, but I don't know. Like, what was that? What was that character? What, what, what happened there? Like there were so many potential things that could have happened. And I'm like, but there's already so much going on. Yeah. Well, it just seems like if, like, if you're introducing characters, there's got to be a real reason that they're there. And yeah. so I think what we're feeling is that lack. Like, why did you, why did you even bother introducing us? You know, when you're dating somebody, but they ain't for real, you don't bring them home to introduce them to your parents. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that. Yeah. These, these are characters that didn't need to be introduced to us. Or they yeah. needed to play double duty. Take one character and have them do the work of three of those characters that we didn't need. Yes. Or just have her just have her marry them and they like never see her again. Like, <laughs> oh, she was, you know, like she's like at the county recorder. Oh, it was a thing of convenience. She shows up and you're like, oh, I didn't want that. But he saves it. I thought the way he saved the, because she was clearly upset. And so when he goes to kiss her, he like makes it a kiss. He like lifts her off her feet and he like licks in her mouth until she kisses him back and he feels her like happiness again. And I thought that was a very, very sweet moment for them as a couple and for him especially to recognize her distress and to want to fix it for, want to help her. 
He um, is so he I, is empathic too in a lot of but, ways. But it, like he, they, I agree. Deborah didn't need to be in the. She could have just been gone forever after that. Like she know. didn't need to show up again. And she was Sable's friend, but she was horrible. But she was okay. Yeah. And she was she was very mercurial as a character. Yeah. I could never really get a read on what was her role in the yeah. in and, the story. Yeah, and I thought the Mrs. Chen and then Bess. I. I mean, I, I like diversity in books. So I'm happy that they represented multiple cultures and things like that. But I and the fact that like, there are multiple cultures in a small town, because all yeah. too often in romance, a small town is incredibly all white, which white. is incredibly alarming and scary. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's, you don't, the re, as, a, as a friend of mine who lives, I, I went to college in South Carolina and I went to a women's <laughs> college. So a lot of my friends from college still live there. And as a friend of mine, I sent her a book and she's like, listen, Sarah, I love this book, but everybody in the small town is white. And if that's true, that's, there's good reasons and really horrible reasons why that has continued and no yeah. no good reasons allow that to continue and I was right. like oh I you're agree. right Yikes. yeah and and I think I think that was a strength of the book I also yeah. think to the point of multiple characters it's like we had just gotten to know Bess but then we learned nothing else about her but then we got to know Mrs. Chen and I liked the idea of her sitting with one of her aunt slash mom's old friends and hearing all the shenanigans she's been up to for the last 20 years and filling out that picture of her life that she didn't get access to. I thought it was a great scene. Um, but like, I felt like I was getting it a little piecemeal, which I guess is maybe how you would get it in real life. But as a reader, I found that a little challenging. And, and the idea that there were people who were important in Sable's life who knew her, after like I was talking about before with the with the compartmentalized bubbles of your life like all of these people knew Sable away from her family away from her sisters and away from her career and I mean clearly she made some very wise investments because she has a ton of money was there a line in there about how she had taken the rights to some of the songs and not shared them or something she bought the rights out like so that's right thank you yeah so like you know, from whatever company owned the rights to the she sisters' music, she bought mm-hmm. all those rights. So then right. uh, the other sisters weren't receiving any royalties or whatever from right. Her. She like paid them out for it or something like that. Yeah. No, no. So she some other company owned. She bought the rights from another company because the sisters w- wanted the rights. But to- she owned them, and so she clearly had the money to to buy those rights in the first place. So she made some really wise investments and done some, yeah. some really smart stuff, but and all of these a women solo career at some point. So yeah. she was making money yeah. as a solo artist. Yeah. Like all of these women knew her after all yeah. of this, apart from her family, apart from her sisters. Whereas Zenny only knew of her aunt through limited visit visits and then what her family told her. And so right. she heard these women who are telling her about her, her aunt who selfish and didn't care and like left them and right and then here are all these women in this town who are like oh my goodness we got up to some some things we did some Mm -hmm. stuff we broke into places we we there was this whole person that zenny didn't get to know and i i love the the moments of grief and how Mm -hmm. real and powerful they felt Mm -hmm. but i felt like the characters who knew sable after and away from her family could have been used more to create more of a character that would would have it would have made more sense what a loss it was for Zenny and her mother. Whereas it was like, okay, well, Sable's dead, and right. So the the fun the the crazy thing too. This is also a parallel from my life, right? So my aunt's oldest daughter, she gave to my grandparents to raise until she was a, almost a teenager, so that she could continue her career, right? 
Um, and then at a certain point, you know, she got remarried and came back to pick her up. Have you, you know, met she, Rebecca Weatherspoon? You, like I'm sitting not, next to you? I've never met this woman. I swear to God, this is wild. But your 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 aunt didn't lie and say, "Oh, J.K., these are your parents." No, no, no. Like, she didn't. She didn't say cousin, lie. She didn't, your cousin no. always knew it was. Yes, her mom. she always knew. But what I'm what I'm saying is like she was new, but the emotional ramifications that came from that decision, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have a firsthand knowledge of what those look like. Yeah. And this, and this book is not this representing it. This ain't it. what, what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an, it's a trauma of identity, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, who am I, who are my parents? Like, these are fundamental things that you grow up learning and, and mm-hmm. realizing that you've been lied to and then getting further gaslit by the person yeah. you thought was your mother. Boundaries are a thing. And it's, and it's not just your mom who lied to you. It's your mom. It's your step. I mean, she always thought it was her stepdad. So she never thought he was her biological father, but it's your mom, your stepdad, your, all of your aunts. So the other three, five aunts, four aunts, and you know, who knows if their partners or their husbands or wives know. And so it's a lot of people in her life who lied to her and kept this whole facade. And, and like, my thing about it is that she's not 22. So she's not a young, Oh, I just graduated from college. Now I'm finding all this out. She's she's a grown woman. She's in her thirties. She has a career. And that to me would make it even worse. Cause like if my parents right now in the same age, came to me and we're like, oh, BT dubs. And <laughs> so-and-so's actually your mom. And, and they're just dead, raised sorry. You, and they're dead, so you can't even get to know them as this. So you can just deal with that. I'd be like, I'm sorry, what is happening? And I would be digging. I would be so relentless. I'd be like, you better tell me every fact. I would check everyone's stories against everyone. I'd talk to all right. the aunts individually. Like she texts her one aunt and is like, who should I talk to? And I would have called the aunt and been like, what in the actual fuck <laughs> is going on? You better spill the beans right now. Um, and it's like, it's almost like your whole family is a conspiracy against you. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you, find, like when you read a character who's like, um, you know, one character cheated on the other. And everyone knew except the person who'd been was oh. cheating on that person's relationship with all of those people is done. I mean, yeah. it's cracked. It I may mean, not be repairable. That's yeah. like, and that's a, again, going to the fact that that, that circumstance is actually super realistic. Like, Oh, very. So super realistic. That happens. Secrets like that get held in families for so long and you find oh. you're damn near 40 and you find out, you yeah. know, and, and like, and then you're like, why didn't someone tell me? Or you, um, maybe the secret actually did eventually make it out in your family, but nobody told you. That, right? Those are those are always the fun ones. And they'll, they'll be like, oh, I thought you knew. I told, I told, you know, I told this sister, I told this brother. Like, I just thought you knew. And you're like, I didn't know that shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? And so like, you, you also at a certain point don't know who knows what, you know? And, and that's, that has ramifications that has ongoing like ongoing consequences and I felt in a lot of ways Zenny especially Zenny and her mother that was the relationship I had the most trouble with I mean Mason and his dad also got some things there but like Zenny and her mom that relationship seemed too easily repaired like I would not be allowing that person anywhere near me for a while because that that's a fundamental trust fracture right there. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you'd have to really explain to me like 
Because her mom basically says like, oh, we did it because she wanted to continue her solo career. Right. We all decided, it almost was like, we all decided it wasn't good to raise you on the road. And so we, when she left you with us, we just decided to say, because like, they could have just been like, oh, I'm raising you, but I'm your aunt and uncle. Like they didn't right. have to say that they were the mom and dad and like change the birth certificate. Oh yeah. And, That's some weird shenanigans um, right there. The, so the interesting thing for me for this book is I actually rated their characters higher than the book because I think this book oh, for me came into a problem we've seen a couple times in the podcast, which is there's too much going on. Oh. The book's not very long, oh, but yes. there's too many plot points. There's too many tropes. Because oh, yes. if you look at the insular plot without the lying about her being the aunt's daughter, if you look at the insular plot, which is that she goes to her aunt's funeral, there's a forced marriage of convenience to get money, which I think is fun to do in modern times. I think she did that part well. They end up kind of like teaming up and being like, yo, we both need this money for a variety of reasons. Like, let's be friends about it. Let's throw a wedding. Let's, let's, at least let's have fun and make it ours. Like I thought that scene was great where they decide to take back, they take it back. You know, they have this little wedding. It's very, you know, he and his friends set it up at the farm with the twinkle lights and the things it's very sweet. And she's not expecting it. And like his friends embrace her. And like one of them takes her on a shopping trip and like that I stuff. loved that found family aspect. Yeah, the found family worked great. And like their courtship, I thought was very, like Shawnee mentioned earlier, very respectful, very communicative, very much like, hey, I noticed you're not, you're a little off. Like, is it okay if I hug you? Like they did just meet. So it makes sense that she would ask. And he's like, oh, that would be great. And then he feels better. Like I thought their romance, I really liked. I really liked oh, yeah. their characters inside of that. I think the rest of it was too much and overshadowed that because the whole time, like you guys, I'm sure I was reading going like, well, she's threatened that her mom's going to hop on a plane any day. So when the fuck is she going to show up with unannounced? Like she should be showing up at the cafe to meet Mason without being announced immediately. Oh, my daughter got married and I'm a crazy person. I'm going to show up tomorrow. Like, but she waited till Zani invited her, which I was like, no, you told me this mom is crazy and overbearing and she should just be showing up here. And, but I also didn't want her to show up because I liked the bubble. So I was like, I was a little conflicted about it all. Well, like, so like Mason's dad, you know, I think is a great example of like, for me, he was a very one dimensional villain. Yep. And you know how I feel about that. So like that, that takes me out of a story very quickly. It's like you couldn't figure out what to do here. So you inserted this one dimensional villain to help push whatever you needed to push. And yeah. to me, to me, one dimensional villain, that's lazy writing. It's, just la- it's lazy writing. And I, I felt like there was a lot of other characters that were just like that. They didn't help me. They didn't, you know, they were one note, one very one note. They served He's gonna one show purpose. Up. Oh, it's F sharp guy. Here he comes. Yes. You know? <laughs> yep. and, and, and that's it. And that's where I'm like, oh. <laughs> I I actually was mad that the, okay, so earlier in the book, Mason talks about how his mom is with the dad, despite the fact, so the reason he ended up leaving Scotland is he was supposed to get married. The woman didn't show up to the wedding because he had told her, oh, they were talking about past relationships. And he had explained that he was in love with an old uh, person in his band named Duncan and that he's bisexual. He didn't think anything of it. She clearly was like, 
not comfortable dating someone who's bisexual and like reading all this crazy stuff into it. Like, well, then you're not going to be faithful. And he's like, what? That's not the same thing at all. I can absolutely be monogamous and bisexual at the same time. That's not hard. And so anyway, so of course she tells her dad who tells his dad. And then, you know, presumably they're, you know, sort of small-minded Scottish, like maybe older generation, not as open and woke to the, you know, fluidity of, of sexuality and preferences. And essentially like banishes his son unless he pays back the amount of money that he spent on this wedding and pays back his law degree because he doesn't want to be a lawyer. So he leaves, goes to America where his cousin lives in the small town. And that's kind of where we find him. I actually, so his mom is like a couple of times in the book trying to convince him to talk to the dad again. And so I thought Why? the mom, like that was going to be the dimension of the dad was like, he's not a good dad. He's clearly a bigot. But he loves his wife. She loves him. And so, but he just is not good at this one thing. You know what I mean? Because that for me is like a lot of people are like that. They are, their wife loves them. They love their wife, but they just can't like either give that affection to the next generation or they can't get over prejudices or whatever the case. And they push their children away. And everyone's like, well, why would you stay with him? And it's like, the wife's like, no, like we love each other. It's just like, and she's like working on it because she wants the kid to come back. I had no idea um, they were still the married. End, the mom, I thought they were the divorced. Mom's like, oh, the, I always I thought they were married, but the mom I thought like, they were divorced, and then together, I, I'm like, what I, are I you doing with this? It's gonna leave him, and I I'm thought like, they were divorced too. I thought she was in love with him, so then when she's like, well, I'm just gonna leave him, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I but thought you were, were you already gone, ma'am. <laughs> or why? Or why would you even ask the son to come back and be friends with the dad again if you're planning on dipping? That didn't like, make sense. Wh- why? What so one of my (laughs) one of my pet peeves in fiction is when terrible emotional behavior is not labeled as terrible emotional behavior at some point. And so many terrible things are forgiven in this book that it made me mad for the characters because they have already been so honest with each other. And like you said, with, 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 with his fiance, with Mason's fiance, treating him the way that she did, they are, they are forthright and, and very frank about who they are on purpose. Like they take the risk of being honest about themselves on purpose because that's the only way that they've gotten through terrible situations in the past. And I'm like, why are you even giving these people who are so cruel to you the time of day? Like, yeah. why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Wasn't there a line in the book about like family isn't always the one you're born into? Yep. And so then I also thought, guys, I, there are multiple points where I thought she was going to stay in this town. Because then I also thought, oh, she's left this toxic family behind who were obviously you know, the mom is like emotionally abusing her over the phone and all of a sudden she keeps having to hang up on her, kept this big secret. Get over the gaslighting. I cannot. (laughs) And so I was thinking, oh, her found family and like the family she chooses is going to be this group of friends who she's clearly very close to. And this family in this town. And I was like, oh, that, and like how to balance like, oh, but I want to be with my friends, but I also like want to be in this new place. I thought was going to end up being like the, you know, the conflict, yeah. conflict of the book. I was surprised. I was surprised you guys. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll keep talking. Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon where you can become one of our patrons. 
We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now back to our show. Shadi, another funny line that made me think of you is she uses the term whole ass husband. <laughs> so Shawnee's the first person I've ever heard who says the word. Yeah, well, he was your whole husband. And I was like, as opposed to like my half a husband. Of course, he's a whole husband. Like, how'd she say whole it's, husband? It's, She's you, like, you, you like, gotta no, say no, no, the right This is your whole child. This is your whole husband. You better snatch that whole you, husband back up. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, it, I don't know how to explain how it's used, but it's kind of like, you know, oh, she gotta go home. She got a whole ass husband. Yeah, like, she got a whole, <laughs> that's what she said. You got a whole ass husband at home. And I was like, yes, it's not a half a husband. There's a whole one. And in the book, she says something like, you are not hiding a whole ass husband from me. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Shawnee would say that shit to me. If I tried to get secret married, she'd be like, you're not hiding a whole ass husband from me. You better bring him out. <laughs> That was another thing about this book. Like yeah. you, 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 she's a homebody. She has, she doesn't go out. Like why, maybe I'm being, this could very much me be, be me with my head somewhere up my butt. But like, why would you live in a place that has a very high cost of living if you're not going to go out? Well, she, okay. I can answer this. Cause I too am a homebody who lives in Los Angeles. Please so tell me because I, she I, lives by her family. So yeah, the main draw right, for her is that right. that's I where stand her, corrected. Yep. her friends and family live there. So that's the main draw. And that's the main friends. draw for her to go back as well. She has a very solid group of friends and her family is there. It was the friend group. Yep. You're totally right. However, I blanked on that part. Because she talked about in the book that she doesn't really like what she's doing. She's looking for a way to impact different. I was like, oh, they're in New York. There's like she's near the city. I was like, maybe she'll start a nonprofit where she'll do like summer camps where everyone comes up and does this whole summer like music. And I was like thinking of ways that she could impact youth and children with all this money and this new big like, house and land that she has. And his and her her husband and who plays seventeen her instruments. Her husband who He's plays in charge seventeen of the music instruments. Program. And does a night like a weekly bagpipe concert for everyone in the whole na- in the whole in the county. vineyard, yeah, vineyard, yeah. And I was just like, "What? Like, let's do that. That sounds nice." I do love that she became a doula. I think that's awesome. And I also love that she was very casual about having had a miscarriage and having had an abortion. Yes, I loved that it was just sort of like, "Yep, that's part of my life." Yes, I. I thought that was interesting. I wanted to talk to you guys about that because at the, the first time she mentions it, she says she had two pregnancies. None of them made it to the third trimester, which didn't really obviously spell out like what happened. And then she says that she got pregnant with her old partner who refused to ever use condoms. And I was like, dump that mofo. Dump that mofo. He, that. he can also fuck off up here. Yeah, I've heard he that story so right many off. times, though. So I'm like, yeah, that shit. I don't happens. get that. Okay, Shawnee, you know how I feel about birth control and my pregnancies because yes, you don't but, know this about me, but I can get pregnant in a goddamn instant. In ooh. a goddamn she's instant. Only not, she's only not used protection twice and she has two children. <laughs> two babies. First time. Pop, pop. Baby, baby. I knew. That's why I'm so vigilant about it. So when I read these stories, I'm like, I know what happens. I have friends who have had scares. I've had friends who've had a, you know miscarriages that they didn't mean to. And probably I've had friends who've had abortions that I, I, well, I know about some of them, but I don't know about others, I'm sure. But I'm always like, she lives in Los Angeles. So she's not somewhere where she couldn't get birth control of some kind, but I don't like being on birth control. Like I don't like being on the pill. It never worked for me. 
But then, Shani's shaking her head at me, guys. But then she's like with somebody who won't wear a condom. And I'm like, that would just never happen to me, you guys. I could not do it. I have never <laughs> could not do it. I have had I've been in the so throw, Shawnee. The man common. did not have a condom. And I was like, screech to a halt. Okay, we'll either go to the drugstore or we can just do other things and never have penetrative sex because so common. you can't get up in this without a condom. Bridget, your mother, first of all, your mother is super liberal and she is a nurse. That's true. You are living in an anomaly. <laughs> Because I never got any sex education, right? So like none. I read romance novels. That's how I learned about sex. And that's <laughs> what I thought you were supposed to do. Like I sure. thought that's how life was. Like, you were having mutual orgasms. I get that. Okay. And, I get that yeah. at like 18. But like she, these were in her like late 20s, let's say mid 20s, late 20s. Like by then I feel like I would no. hope that you, you at have least to, would have the wherewithal to be like, no, nah, bitch, get your dick out Bridget, of here. You ain't got let me no tell car. you right now. Because, because that is, that is having a nurse mom privilege. Because let me tell you, we did not, I still call. I mean, that's a white lady privilege too, I'm sure. I, listen, I taught like to this day when I bring my boyfriend home, I do not say, hey, mom, this is my boyfriend. We don't use the term boyfriend. This is my friend. No, I, I get that my, part. No, no, no. It's I, I, the... I need you to understand because I, because I understand Zenny's family. I need you to understand this, right? So like the culture of being frank and open and honest about sex and communication is so shut down and so repressed that you don't even, you're not even having these open conversations with your friends because you're not sure. Until somebody opens the door for you to start talking about it, you keep that all in your head. And I know this firsthand where you think you're the only one doing these things and that or whatever. And so the conversations about birth control, I never had those. I was having so much unprotected sex, Bridget, that like, like, you know, I was on birth control. Then I wasn't on birth control because I had allergic reaction. Then we were doing pullout method. And I just happened to get lucky. I just happened to get lucky yeah. in the grand scheme of things. And then I started meeting, you know, more people who were educated this way, having more frank conversations. But I was in my late 20s. I was in the latest of 20s. Now, I didn't have a boyfriend who refused to wear a condom. We just were just both of us fast and loose. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we, 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 we would go get STD tests and stuff like that but we didn't you know but we were like oh let's we'll just pull out you know but like it's not a method everyone i've said it on the podcast before <laughs> pull out is not a method <laughs> shawnee says the pull out method it's not a method and i'm not saying you're incorrect what I, all i'm saying <laughs> is you can't fathom this but it, it is for me it's very i very no, i get I, I no i get it i mean i it's just hard for me to because i've always been and i do definitely agree it's the education from my mom, the education from my dad, the education from my siblings, education from my town. Like I grew up in a liberal town just outside of Chicago. So I get that it's all of those things. I also though have had friends who are in that same scenario who have let someone go in without a condom, even though they're like, well, I know I shouldn't have. Yeah. So like to me, it's more, it's, I understand all those things. For me, it's more of like a I don't know. I just like would never do that. Not because I, not like, because I don't know, but because I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I, you I, read I rom- your mom read a romance novel, then handed it to you and was like, here, enjoy. Right. My mom literally beat my ass anytime she found me with a romance. No, I'm novel. talking more about the, se- you know? like the sense of like, cause I'm saying I've, I've okay, met someone yeah. in my exact same scenario who read romance novels, had the same parents, same town yeah. who let someone like, 
who didn't have the same pressure standards that- pressure them into like oh I was uncomfortable like oh I wanted to wear a condom but he said no so we just did it yeah like I've met people who've done that and that to me is like the I'm like because I get what you're saying that she didn't know she was like oh well maybe everyone's doing that and he probably convinced her and she didn't know like that I get but I also am like I still would have been like nah bitch <laughs> I don't know it's just hard it's just hard I'm like a very firm in my you're pregnancy. confident. You, you are a very a, confident lady. You are a very confident lady, though. I will say you're that. Confident lady. You're a confident lady. Because <laughs> some people would be like, well, I don't want to make him angry or I don't, right. you know. You're already like, naked and vulnerable. You're naked yep. and vulnerable. And you're already like, well, I don't want to ruin the mood. And right. you're, oh, yeah. you're, you know, yeah. oh, yeah. nobody, nobody empowered you to be like, nah. Yeah, you know? exactly. definitely happens. I, I also like with, with, with Zenny that she owned that experience, but also owned that it was not her, like that it was not just her problem. The problem was also with that person. That person was a problem and she wouldn't tolerate that now. She, she was very clear about her boundaries with, with regards to partners now and, you know, was able to have like really frank, really, really frank discussions about the kind of sex they would be having and what yeah. they would be doing. And the fact that she was like, yeah, sure. Let's why, why well, should we not let us, yeah. let like us proceed? She, she walked out of the bathroom naked. She was like, well, if this is going to go down, it's going to go, yeah, go down. And then he comes out and he's all bent over and like, like hiding himself. She's like, listen, I'll cover my eyes for you. It's yeah. okay. And then he's like, sorry, I have the mother of all hard-ons. I didn't want to freak you out. I thought that was cute too. Oh, Shawnee, I thought about you in this book again. I thought about you in this book so many times, Shani. I always do because I love you. But I thought about you because we've talked about Sarah on the podcast before that Shani does not enjoy a large penis. She has a short canal. And he they were talking about how big his penis is. And then there was no warm-up. He just popped that sucker right in. And I was like, Shani's gonna have a problem with this. They were talking about it. He didn't even finger her. He didn't do. I mean, eventually he fists her. Yes, he does. Sarah's raising her fist into the air. He puts all five fingers, put the whole fist in there. But which I don't think I've ever read in the book, actually, now that I think about it. Mm-mm. I have, um, but it was not contemporary romance. It was uh, paranormal. It was alien, alien fucking. Yes, yeah. aliens. Aliens yeah. for the win. Um, but I I thought only because they described his penis as being so big. And she said at some point, and like in her inner monologue, at some point, I'm going to try to take all of it. But then she just took it all. No problem. No problem. Lickety, no lickety warm split. Lickety split. Lickety split. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like, uh, I having a partner with a large shebang of bang, right? I was such a new thing that I had to, I had to have the most uncomfortable conversation with my mom. I, cause we don't talk about sex, but I had decided when that I was going to start uncomfortably talking to her about sex. And so she was like, no, I don't want to have this conversation. I mean, literally freaked out. She's like, I don't, I don't want And I was like, mom, we're going to have this conversation because if you let me ask somebody on the street, they're not going to give me the good advice. You will. And that's literally the only reason why she had the conversation. And now it's funny. Cause now we talk about Polly, we talk about everything. But man, when I say it took 10 years of wearing this woman down, it took 10 years. Um, so it's, it's a really hard thing to unlearn, right? Yeah. I, I can't talk about this. I can't think about this. I can't discuss this. Like it's really hard to unlearn that messaging. It's, it's unprogramming. It's, it's like coming out. Yes. Of cult, that's the cult. perfect word. You're yeah. so right. You're so right. The, the, the cult of chastity. you are so right it is deprogramming (laughs) and and i i uh what was what were you talking about um 
Uh, big penises. Oh, big, big penises. penises. Talking to your mom yeah. about a big Talking penis. About, so I <laughs> how, could drop, how could big penises just fall out of your mouth? I know. How? I know. <laughs> I, and I was like, mom, I need to know, like, I am dealing with a big penis that it doesn't fit. I don't know how to get it in. I don't know what to do. And she was like, she was just like, oh, I could just see her cringing. And I was like, mom, you got, like, I need your help or you got to tell me. And she, she goes very begrudgingly. She's like, some guys don't get to put the whole thing in. That was her advice to me about the big penis. Good advice. <laughs> She's like, sometimes they only get to put half of it in. That's it. <laughs> That's really good advice, though, because what she's saying is you look after you first. His, yeah. his pleasure and comfort is not the most important thing in this equation. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. And also, sometimes it's just not going to fit, and that's okay. I had to learn tantric breathing. That was literally what had to happen, and there was no such thing as a quickie. Let me tell you. There was... That well, that's exist. what I was thinking about you because I knew about yeah. this experience you had. And I was like, I know Shani's reading this like bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> you better warm it up. Or warm at least talk up. about like pushing, you know, like like how it took a long time for him to get all the way in, you know, yeah. like to Nobody ever talks about knocking at the door. And I can't be the only woman. I've actually never talked to anybody about this ever, ever. I actually, this is the first moment. This is just something I always say and I say to my partner, which is like, like sex for me is not like, oh, the penis is here. Now it's in it. Like you have to knock, 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 knockity knock, knock, knock. And my, and my pussy goes, who is it? <laughs> someone, someone there. Oh, I see you out the window and, and plays coy for a while before e- any kind of penetration can happen, you know? And, and like, I never hear anybody talk about that in romance novels or anything else. I, I don't know if my vagina is different than other people's. You have vulvodynia? I don't know. Nobody's ever told me anything, but my neighbor just told me recently that she had to do the same thing. She's like, Oh, I have a condition called something. And, and so my my vagina doesn't open like that. And I was like, I was like, what? Now I have to look it up because I'm sure I'm sure I'm using the wrong word. Because if so, you might be diagnosing me on air right now. On air. You've heard it here first, you guys. (laughs) And why? Because I've never had this conversation with anybody. I've never said, Hey, have you ever talked to your gynecologist about this? This is very common. I actually did a podcast interview with uh, uh, Dr. Jen Gunter, who is Twitter's gynecologist, and she does pain management. It's vaginismus. It is a muscle spasm in the pelvic floor muscles that makes it very difficult, impossible, or painful to have sexual intercourse or like putting in a tampon or having the the speculum inserted. You 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 nailed it. Yeah, that's vaginismus. It is treatable and it is, and you actually have to like introduce things and, and it's like, little tiny bits at a time you're you're basically you basically have the world's strongest pelvic floor and that is a good thing except where the insertion happens That's okay so vaginismus bridget and i have had this conversation where every time i've gone to the gynecologist it is the most excruciating experience ever i have so much literal trauma about like oh, going going so to the gyno sorry. to the point where my my insurance company sends me gift cards if i go they're like, they're like, we will send you a Target gift card if you go get your, your PAP exam. Oh, gosh. Can so, you see if person in your practice specializes in vagin? It's very common. It is gonna, so, so common. I'm going to ask now because then if, if it's something that I can do something about, then oh, yeah. I won't be terrified to go to my gyno. 
And if it helps, I know I, so I did an interview with Dr. Jen Gunter, who wrote a book called Come As You Are. Yeah. No, no, that's Emily Nagoski's book. Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Jen Gunter wrote the Vagina Bible. Forgive my brain for being mixed up. It's Friday. My brain is a tired place. <laughs> so, the, so the Vagina Bible has a lot about vaginismus, but she, she is not only a gynecologist, but she also does pain management. And she was telling me in the interview that I remember her saying that vaginismus and vulva, I think it's vulvodynia. So vulvodynia is incredible pain in your vagina, especially with insertion. So a lot of times vaginismus and vulvodynia, I think I'm saying that right, go together. But she said that's her bread and butter in terms of gynecological pain management. There, it's so, so common, but until you know the name for it, you can't really say Here, here's the situation. I'm really sorry your gynecologist has not been more sensitive though, because they should know this is a thing that happens to so many women. I'm 36 years old and, and I'm like, I'm today years old learning this. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I could help. Thank yeah. you. If you that look up the exciting. podcast episode with Jen Gunter, I can send you a link to it. If you look at the transcript and then control F bread and butter, she talks about pain management and vaginismus, but there's definitely, there is treatment. There is a whole society. I am certain there's a Facebook group or 30. There are so many people who deal with this problem. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm an information junkie. So as soon as we get yeah. off this, off this podcast, I'm going to be like, vaginismus. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even, even just, even just having in this book where they, where she mentions that she's had an abortion and she's mentioned that she had a shitty boyfriend and they, and they label it shitty. Like, that's what I'm talking about. When you talk yeah. about these things, it, it, yeah. it helps. That's yeah. One of the reasons why I love romance. I also really liked talking about the abortion is I really liked that their happily ever after wasn't kids. So, so yeah. many romances are like, we fell in love. I love you. Epilogue. We got married. We got a kid. Popped one out. And oh. I'm very happy that that didn't happen because I, I think would have been felt very wrong for both characters. I like that a lot. And I, I also was, like that she wanted to help people have babies, but she didn't want to have babies herself. Yeah. It's not Again, like she's Shani. anti-child. She's just choosing not to have them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and one of the final lines of the book was, plus they were too busy fucking all over the house to let an infant interrupt the fun. And I was like, that's Shawnee too. That's I tell you that all the time. I, I like, hear you. Shani, you can't just be fucking people all how over your I, house when you got babies. How can I ha- be tied up, you know, get my low, my kink BDSM on and then have this little toddler coming out like, mommy. <laughs> yeah, mommy, I need a pee. Mommy. Like, Mommy's tied up right now. Literally, I can't help you. Shit <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I, and I went through infertility to conceive my older son. I had a number of problems that needed to be corrected before I could conceive. So I had to do all of these things like, okay, Sarah. Now there's needles. Are you sure you want to have children? Okay, there's needles and a patch and a pill and a cream and some things that are going to make you grow chest hair that is not blonde. Are you sure you want to do this? Okay, now there's more needles. Are you sure? So I had to keep asking myself, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? So it turns out I have no on-ramp. I'm not particularly good at getting pregnant and I've never gone into labor, but I am super great at being pregnant. Just give me donuts and honey nut Cheerios. We're fine. It's great. I'm really good. I'm a great incubator. I just have no on-ramp, no off-ramp. Did you have to, I had a C-section. Did you have C-section? I had one of each. Yep. I, I had a too. traditional delivery and a C-section. Yep. I, I have had the full experience. Me too. And I've done it all. Except going into labor. I don't know how to do that. I didn't I, either. Sarah. So, twinsies. First of all, I think this is kind of fucked up. So you guys are bonding over this, like, you know, the twinsies or whatever. And you're like, I've never gone into labor. You're like, I've never gone into labor. And I was like, oh, I had a fibroid. And I went into preterm labor every month. That's the only thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, Fucking you know funny? I actually, I, so Those Sarah, I have a question. Do you, did you ever have cramps when you were going through your periods as like a pre having babies? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. So I never, I'm mean, one of my theories, which is now debunked because you just said this, but I was like, I wonder if it's cause like, I never had cramps. I had friends who had cramps. They would like go home for days. Like, could I never, like, I really, my period never really bothered me aside from that. Like, it's not fun to clean up blood every month, but aside from that, I was like, you know, it just is what it is. It and got worse after I had children. I can tell you that. Mine got a little worse after children too. Um, <laughs> but I was like, maybe that's why my body never got it together, never went into labor, because my body's like never practiced, you know? I never even had like Braxton Hicks. My body was just like, I'll keep this baby in here for life. Oh yeah. I had to be induced both times. And and the, my older son is was two weeks late. He's like, listen, it's quiet. Everyone's leaving me alone. I get my meals on demand. It's yeah, it's on demand. I'm, it's warm. I'm not leaving. Like yeah. this is great. I tell him that now, and he's like, "Oh my, oh my god, mom! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" He's fifteen. But I'm telling you, even when they're teenagers, it's hard too. And 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 you're all quarantined together. It's hard oh. to find any kind of alone, alone time. time. Yeah. This, no, not so much. You know oh, what man. I find I find difficult is the scheduling of like when you have sex, me and my husband were very much morning sex people. So we wake up in the morning, you start to cuddle, start to have sex, have sex before work, go on shower, do your day, do your life. We were not nighttime, very rarely. Cause at the end of the day, I'm we were sleepy. tired. We're sleeping. I'm also the bedtime commander. And I, 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 everyone has bedtime. We're going to sleep. Yeah. Sleep time. Yeah. Sleep is totally. Important. I'd be like, it's sleep time. We might cuddle. We might kiss occasionally. might happen, but for the most time mornings, but now we're never together in bed in the mornings. And it has been a, a struggle to like actively be like, okay, I know we're tired, but we're not going to be awake at the same time. These kids are going to get out of bed when they get out of bed. So we better get it in now. It's Whenever I fun. see my neighbor's kids playing outside and they're younger, like, and the weather's starting to get colder. Um, so yeah. we have this thing here in the, on the East coast and the South it's called winter. I know you don't <laughs> have this thing, but we have this thing. It's cold as balls. What do you mean? It's 65 degrees right now. Yeah. We're, we're I know you're all dying sweatshirt. over there, right? Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. One time, one time I was in Miami and it was 55 degrees. And I was like, why does everyone have, why does everyone have the same beige 1965 winter coat on? Like, why, why does everyone have the same coat? What is there, is, is there a convention? Like what? I'm like, no, it's 55 in Miami. They have one winter coat and they wear it once yeah. every 10 years when it gets yeah. that cold. Yeah. yeah. So I understand you're all freaking out because it's 65. It's like 50 here. <laughs> But whenever I see my neighbor's kids out, I'm always like, all right, the kids are out. Okay, let's see here. I can't interact with them, but what can I do to keep them outside so they can have more alone time? Stay outside, <laughs> kids. You have you guys show have you guys seen the leaf pile down the street? You should go check it out slowly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good out. neighbor. That's oh, a yeah. good you guys, Sarah is I want her on my block. That's, that's keep my kids neighbor. outside. <laughs> I have really yeah. lovely neighbors. We, like um, I'm on a cul-de-sac, so it's just all of us facing each other. Yay! I I live uh, so close to the DC Mormon temple that when I take pictures on Instagram, Instagram's like, are you at the DC Mormon temple? No, I am not. But I have a number of Mormon neighbors. So there's lots of kids everywhere. And they, in the before times, they would have friends over. So there's always stuff happening on my nice. street with the kids outside. Awesome. Halloween was the greatest. One of my neighbors put up, because we, we had no trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating was canceled. One Our of my neighbors screen. put up a movie screen. They showed a movie. Another neighbor had hot chocolate. Another neighbor built a fire pit. And we all had our little socially distanced delivery of buckets of candy for all the kids. It was adorable. But yeah, we, awesome. we have really nice neighbors. And I'm hoping that they also get alone time. I yeah, love that. Everyone I needs like, alone time. My my mom used to, but we were, we were a lot of kids. So I will say that. She used to put, uh, she used to say, go outside and play. 
and we all kind of knew where we needed to stay. We knew our boundaries and, and we all had bikes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But she would like, go outside yeah. and play. Whoever comes in the house has to clean. Like if, if she's like, if I see you in the house, that's then, brilliant. Then you will be doing chores. So you did not until this, and, and you had to be back at the doorstep the street, when the, when street, the street light lights come came on. on and like, and she would put food out. All my neighbors, this. she put lunch out on the, on the stoop or whatever. <laughs> and, and I think one time somebody set foot inside and she's like, okay, now you stay inside all day and you're going to clean with me. And nobody ever set foot back inside ever again. When she said that you might stand at the door. Cause you know, you might be like, mama, uh, mama, mama, <laughs> uh, I need a bandaid mama. <laughs> or whatever. But like she put food right outside on the steps and you came, you got your snacks and you went back out and played and you're like, Hey, none of my business. Because <laughs> you guys, you also had to be fair. You didn't have like two kids. Y'all like six or eight at one time, depending on which cousins oh. were staying with you. So there was we a lot had of nine, We had nine to 10 kids. Nine easy. to 10. Yeah. And no then are you child free? Yeah. You've already I'm, raised children. Yeah. You did it already. I you're did good. It. I did it. Hey, you're fine. Oh yeah. I I feel like I'm going to be that mom, Shawnee, because that's what I did. To, I just realized as you're telling that story, that was me yesterday. So Kira, my three-year-old refused to nap. I told her if you refuse to nap, oh. then after nap, there's going to be no Paw Patrol. It's going to be no, like I told her she gets to play like 10 minutes of video games on my computer occasionally. I said, we're not going to do that. I said, we're going to go outside in the backyard. We're going to work. And she's like, what if I want to go inside? And I said, no, you will not be able to do that. So she didn't nap. So we went outside and she was not allowed to like play music on the phone. There's no music, no nothing, no games. I didn't play with her. I didn't even talk to her. I was just like, you're on your own. You have to stay in the backyard while I'm shoveling mulch because I'm redoing my backyard. I was like, I'll be doing wheelbarrows of mulch. You must stay in vision and inside this yard with the lock gate. And you cannot go back inside. I have to pee. I said, you could pee in the grass. You don't need to go inside for that. <laughs> and she was so mad. She was so like, I want to go inside. And I said, well, next time you don't want to nap, you better think about this day. <laughs> you go learn. You go learn. You go learn the day, kiddo. We're not doing no naps for the rest of our lives. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you guys, sometimes I'm a mean mom. All right, let's get to our ratings. We've discussed a lot of the story points. Sarah, as our guest of honor, what did you think of... Zenny, one through five. What did you think? Are you rating? Are we rating the character or the book? The character. The character. Oh, the first. character. Character. First, first character is. I would say this is the danger in the book and the uh, heroine. One to five. Same name, right? Mm-hmm. I would say for Zenny, I would give her four out of five stars. Nice. Yeah, I liked her self assurance. I liked her confidence. I liked how how very solidly herself she was. I love. I love reading a character who is authentically and honestly and determinedly their self. Like they will be themselves at every moment that they can and that and that they're working on being themselves all the time. I really like that about her. What about you? Uh, I gave her I, a four also. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I give her a four. Mostly because I like the logical nature of Zenny, right? So like, I like when things sort of make sense. And so when they you know, when the way she deduced them getting married, she's like, okay, well, you need the money. Mm-hmm. I need the money that, I, and she did like a quick calculation in her mind. You saw, you saw it very quickly yeah. on the page. Like, okay, well, this is the only option. All right. All right. You want to do this? I'll, I'll do this. You want to do this? Let's go. You know, like I like yeah. seeing that. And I like that she was logical. Um, and so, yes, that was a big uh, sell for me with her, you know, no nonsense. And there wasn't a whole lot of angsty um, uh, drama. And when she was overwhelmed by her emotions, she owned it. 
Like Mm -hmm. I am having truly normal emotions right now, but it's not time for me to break down. It's not time for me to cry yet. At some point I'm going to, did she ever have a big sobbing breakdown? When her mom came. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They they talked about it happening, but they didn't uh, go into it. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of glossed over that point. I also like that she was like feeling so much and there was so much in there. And then she used sex, which I do all the time to like, help her release some of the emotions and some of the tension. So she was like, what I need right now is a dope ass orgasm. You're the big cinnamon roll to give it to me. Let's go get frisky. And I was like, that's a girl after my own heart. Cause she spelled out what she needed sexually so many times. Yeah. I said that to my husband the other day. I said, I'm really stressed right now. Like I need a lot of orgasms and I need them. I know we have children running. I can't do it right this second. I said, but it needs to happen very soon. I need a very intense sexual session because I was like, there's too much. I'm like, it's too much. And I don't know how to get it out. If I don't like, I have a little help. And, and he was like, okay, I hear you. And I was like, okay, good. Get on board the train. (laughs) So there was a line in the book that I liked about this. Um, where she, you know, she decides she needs sex and whatever. And so she goes to him and she tells him, okay, this is what's going to happen. And he like stops her and he's like, you know, you didn't ask me what kind of, kind of husband I am, you know? Yeah. And she's like, okay, well, what kind of husband are you? He's like a cruel, impatient, very demanding. If I want you to come, darling, you're going to come. And I yeah. was like, Oof, Ooh, honey. Sounds great. <laughs> let, me, let me pray to baby Jesus real quick. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, baby thank you, Jesus. Baby Jesus. <laughs> thank you, baby Jesus. <laughs> that is what we need. Okay. So Shani, what did you give Mason as your rating? Uh, I also gave him a four. I just, I like, I just like them. Like them themselves in their, in what you're talking about, their bubble, right? That worked for me. That worked for me. You know? Scenes together were so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were sweet. They were, I felt like they were real kind of conversations. I felt like they were open. It, it sounded like they, they were, you know, they were woke people who had been working on themselves to this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? know what? I just realized something. I believed that Zenny and Mason were, were, could be real cute people. I believed yeah. that in them as characters, there were so many other characters in the book that I didn't think were real. Yeah. They exactly. were real. I agree. Yeah. Her mom wasn't real. His dad wasn't real. His friends were real. Um, some of the people in the town were not real. They just were so inconsistent and so uh, unfilled in, but Zenny and Mason, I believe were real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave him a four too. I liked him. I thought I like when me and Sean have talked about this before, but I like when the actions are matching the words yes. and his actions. He was like, I like you. I think you're great. And like he woke up early for his 4 30 AM shift and like went to walk to get her car and bring it back. So she didn't have to take the walk. Like I like, those things like, oh, I wanted to take you on a date, um, but I didn't, I knew you wouldn't want the whole town asking about you. So I ordered in, but then I didn't know what you wanted. So I just ordered the whole restaurant and like things like that, like that, I think in addition to like, obviously him being communicative and them sexually fitting together. uh, I thought, I thought he was a delight. I liked him. Well, it's like he was an emotional being and we don't yeah. allow men to be these emotional beings a lot of the Thank time. you. Yes. Yeah. He was emotionally fluent about himself and other people. Yeah. I, I gave him four stars as well. I think one of my favorite scenes was when his friends were like, um, excuse me, wait, he cooked for you? <laughs> yeah. He hates cooking. He does yeah. it all day. He doesn't want to do it. And and he wanted her to be fed. So he mm-hmm. wanted to cook for her. Like, mm-hmm. oh, 
There's yeah. something really sexy about when your so man sexy. wants to feed you. I don't yes. care what anybody said. Very primal. <laughs> yeah. When he's like, have another strawberry. And you're like, I'll throw up on you, but sure, I'll eat it because you're feeding it to me. <laughs> okay. So we usually do McDreamy to McSteamy. Did you feel like he was a McDreamy or a McSteamy? McScottish McSteamy. Oh, I like this. Shawnee? So I, this is the first time where I really felt split in the middle because I thought like his personality wise, so McDreamy yeah. in the bedroom, in the like, sheets. you know, in the sheets, ooh, yes. McDreamy in the streets and McSteamy in the sheets. The sheets. Yeah. Yes. 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 Cause he was like so polite. He had that kind of small town charm to him. Like, you know, yeah. and, and I liked that about him. And then, you know, you close the door and you're like, you know, oh. like there's like a Jamaican song that I always sing to Bridget, which is like, you know, if she says she wants it, if she says she needs, don't you keep her waiting, give it to her, please. You know? <laughs> And and I'm like, when he closed that door, he's like, what do you need? You will get what you need. I'll yeah. make sure you get what I'm you need. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to you, girl. <laughs> Come over there and give it to you. Uh, I said that he was a mixed swervy, McDreamy, McBroke. <laughs> I was like, he's just all the mix to me. He's just, he's just doing it for me. I also love a Scottish man. Um, when I was traveling there and in Ireland and obviously having met them many times in my personal life in America, the twinkle, the brogue, they all, they all got a little mischief in the mind and mischief behind those eyes. And you're like, what you going to do to me? Yes. And uh, I think he delivered. I think he delivered in the bedroom. He's charming. Mm-hmm. Very charming. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite line, Sarah? Seems like now would be a great time to start seeing a therapist. <laughs> yep. yep, 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 yep. That's a good one. Shani, did you have any more? I know we already mentioned a few. Uh, I have one, which is... Um, <laughs> when she first meets him she thinks this she's like something about his accent made her want to do things his general thickness didn't help either this was a man who did not skip leg day or a meal <laughs> yes <laughs> that was a good one and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that um all right well mine is obviously dirtier because i've already said mine that weren't dirty during the podcast that's what we were talking um so this is at the very very end he says, spread your legs a little more for me, love. That's perfect. He pushed his fingers inside her underwear. She knew he could feel how wet he'd made her with just a kiss. Is this how you do it? He asked. You watch yourself like this. And he's like fingering her while she's sitting on his lap, looking in the mirror, watching them. And I was like, mm-hmm, that's it. That's the business right there. That is just, if you saw someone had a sex swing or sex chair that they masturbated while watching themselves in a mirror, that's the move sit in my lap, let's recreate this scene, but now I'm in it. That's it. My mind would explode. Because you know, the whole time she's sitting there, she's imagining him being there with her. I would lose my mind. Yeah. I would lose it. Lose my mind. Well, like, I think Rebecca Witherspoon is really good at crafting the images of her sexual play. And that's the key for me. You have to give me the image. So you can just, you can talk all that they're doing the whole time, but if you don't create just a very visceral, pretty picture right off the, you know, mm-hmm. then you're not... I'm going to skip the sketch of the sex scene. And that always makes me sad. Yeah. 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 I interviewed an author named Carly Bloom and she said something that stuck with me. She's like, look, I'm not going to invent a new sex. Like it's all been invented. I'm not going to invent a new sex, but I can invent ways for sex to happen that are different. And I think that Rebecca Weatherspoon does that. She invents and describes ways in which sex is happening. That is both horny and intimate or both, or just one or the other. And it's, really you're right she's really good at creating a visual of what is happening 
Yeah, like for the pegging scene, I think uh, Zenny says, like, I didn't expect you to be on top. I thought it would be from behind, but he's sitting on top of her and like riding her. And I thought that that was like, I mean, sort, sort of like viscerally a much more intimate thing that he's like looking at her. She gets to see his expression. Um, obviously she gets to like, you know, he comes on her and like, that's a very visceral sort of thing for them to do together. I was, I was down for that. I was like, Ooh, this is a nice twist. I think when you, you know, like, uh, one of the things you always hear is like the girl takes, she's on top and she takes back her power riding on top, you know, or whatever. And you don't just literally imagine a man doing the exact same thing. It's just, it's just not in your paradigm, you know? So for me, I was like, Yes. yes. <laughs> and there's there's nothing for me there's nothing new in romance so every time someone can give you something new or new, oh, yeah. a new a new twist on something you're like that yeah. book sticks with you because you're yeah. like that's the first time I've heard that. Right and if you think oh this book has pegging you kind of think you know how it's going to go and what the position is and this was not what I expected. No. Yeah, so. it was much, it was definitely much more like like almost sweet even though it was very steamy. It was a very sweet and like intimate scene versus being like a like a harder more sort of raunchy yeah Yeah. uh, more raunchy scene yeah because I get that more like a lot of uh male male ones that I read uh, or menages they kind of come hard at that you Mm -hmm. know and this was very sweet Sarah what was your favorite review uh favorite review is the one that Shana wrote for my site because she went into such detail about what she liked but also how much she was charmed by 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 Zenny and by by Mason. So I I didn't write it, I edited it, but I love that review. What about you? All right. So my uh, favorite review is from Perfectly Amber B. Uh, she rated it three stars on Goodreads, and she said. This story is super steamy, but also very cute. Zenny and Mason were so open and honest with each other, and it was honestly so refreshing to read. While I love the relationship between our two leads and can appreciate the themes of grief and loss, I didn't like that both characters had so I didn't like that both characters had such messy and complicated backstories that they were either omitted or flat out glossed over. Zenny's history with her family and the lies they told her, I wanted more of that. Mason and his history with his father, I wanted more of that. Overall, I was left wanting more from the story, which is common for me with Witherspoon's books. That's a good review. I, I, I thought like, this nailed it. Like, <laughs> And I think that, you know, Rebecca Witherspoon, I don't know her history or her catalog, but she's new to me as a romance author. So if she's early in her journey, like, then I have great hopes for the growth of, of, She's an independent author and she has published quite a few books. Um, She's also has a cowboy series with Kensington. Yeah. They're um, if the boot fits and I forget the name of the first one, but they're all fairy tale retelling. Like if the boot fits is a Cinderella retelling, but part of it is set in Hollywood. And then part of it is set on this uh, dude luxury dude ranch owned by a black family that's hollywood royalty so it's got all of the sort of celebrity and hollywood stuff and then this wonderful like gorgeous natural setting on this ranch oh cowboy yeah. you know we like cowboys. okay so my favorite was by ebony rose is three and a half stars and she said i wanted to enjoy this a bit more than i did but i definitely see why it's a favorite for so many on goodreads overall fairly solid reading experience marriage of convenience is such an absurd romance trope you can't help but have fun with it um and then she said later on, um, 
I also think the story had way too many secondary characters who were all introduced at once, which made it a tad confusing to recall who was who throughout the story. And I would read more from this author. I think that that's true. I, I wanted to be more at like a four or five star feeling after this. Um, and I think if I like cut out just their scenes together, I would be more at like a four star, but I think overall I'm more at a three star because there was just a lot of things going on that didn't feel resolved or felt a little bit needs to be flushed out or um, that were confusing or that I was like, yo, what the hell? <laughs> and I never want to be saying, yo, what the hell? And in general, as you guys on the podcast, dear listeners know, I do not agree when they just vanish off the face of the earth with no communication at least like they could have had some sort of thing where he was like, I have to go. And she's like, I want you to stay. And he's like, I have to go. Or, like there had to be like some sort of, that they were both just like, okay, bye. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So it would have made sense. Like if they had a rational discussion about it, where they, where, where uh, he was like, I have to go. And she was like, yeah. you know, I really want us to continue this marriage. We might not be able to do that if you leave. And he's like, yeah, but I weighed these options. That actually would pre me for me is more in character for them, you know? And then it yeah. makes it so much easier. The fact that he left and then they didn't have any communication and the mom is telling him to call her. I was like, bitch, move, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they weren't even texting each other. Like it would have been cuter if like the whole six months they were texting each other, like funny little gifts. And like, we got to be in on that like little courtship from afar. And it was like, oh, well, we may get divorced. And she's like, oh, didn't sign the papers yet. And they like... And then all of a sudden he was like, yo, I'm in LA. Like I'm moving here. Cause I love you. Clearly we haven't gotten over each other. I don't know. Anyways, Sarah, what did you think? What was your, what was your final rating of the book? Three and a half stars for all of the reasons you just described. I really loved the characters. I loved their relationship and I loved who they were in that little intimate bubble in the beginning. I think that there wasn't sufficient integration of their lives into their, into their relationship and their relationship into their lives. And all, there were so many unresolved plot threads, so many things that were unresolved that it got like mm -hmm. the, the issues that were left undone were more frustrating. I got to the end of the book. I'm like, wait a minute. What about, and what about, and what about, and wait a minute, what about that other person? And what mm -hmm. about her mom? And what about his dad? And what about these mm -hmm. characters? And what about the person at the clerk's office? Like, what What about, what happened to all of them? Why were, what, the what, cousins. what, what, what about, did, yeah. Didn't you feel like one good editor could have caught all that bullshit? I honestly don't know. I have no idea. Like, if we're all reading this book, I, I mean, I'm assuming none of us are editors. <laughs> I just edit the content that goes on my site. I'm not a professional editor of other people's stuff. Well, I guess like, I am a professional, but like I don't hire myself out. Well, we're like, we are just readers <laughs> reading this and we all and came all to the same conclusions. These, and the reviews that you quoted say the, say the same thing. Say and and Shana's review is like, my my problem was with with with, with Joyce, with, with Zenny's mom. Like she did not earn the forgiveness that she yeah. got and she did not earn the, yeah. the access that she had. And she should, and she didn't need to earn it in the book. Like they didn't have to resolve their issue in the book. They could have come to a very small conclusion of where they were going to no. start their journey. You know what I mean? So it didn't need to be wrapped up. You know, it could have been like, okay, you know, every, you know, well, I'll start talking to you about like what went on in those days. Yeah, and the next book with the character that's one of my friends yeah. is going to clearly be makes... the next tabloid ever after, so I could be a subplot in that book. I love that <laughs> when if you ask me why are Zenny and Mason together, I can tell you why. Like why that is. There are a lot of whys I cannot answer about the other characters in this book. Like why is this character doing this? I, I have no idea. No idea. 
Good time. I always wonder about this because, uh, you know, coming from a background of um, like post-production. So like my whole job for years and still is, is like people send me stuff and I, I don't want to say rip it apart in a mean way, but I rip it apart and I show them like, this doesn't work. This is not matching. Something's going on here. Like you need to fix this part. You need to plug a hole. Do you have other footage? Like what can you, what can you sub in here? To- I don't think Mason has any other plug holes that he could plug in this book though. I think he's <laughs> ticked all those boxes. Yeah, no, not anymore. Yeah. He's topped off, topped off. Um, but I wonder it's it's hard to, I always tell people when they send me stuff, especially if they're friends, not in a work, if it's work and you're paying me, I'm going to be, my notes are going to be 20 pages long. Even if I love what you're doing, they're going to be long. But if it's a friend, I'm always like, do you want me to be professional friend, like professional, professional? Do you want me to be a friend who's giving you honest opinions? Do you want me to just be a friend? Like at what level do you want my opinion? Because I've had friends who are like, no, I want your honest opinion and you give it. And then they're like, that was mean. And I'm like, it's not mean. It's just like, you wanted me to know how to make it good or better. And that's how I think you don't have to take my advice. That's just my advice. And I wonder, like, it must be harder with a a novel that feels like your baby to, to find those people who are willing to be like brutally honest and say like, Hey, I don't understand this whole section. Like, I don't know anything about the process for the behind the scenes for this book. Oh, I, I do know that there are wonderful editors that are working very hard to improve books like this. And I also know that just editing reviews, it's the it's it's hard to see the thing. It's hard to say to somebody sometimes, even in a professional setting, the thing you think you said is not the thing you said. And here are the things that you've actually said. And here's why there's a disconnect. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard work. I feel like when you've been living with characters in your mind, yeah. like I remember being a kid and writing all that fan fiction and I would have had this character, you know, Ben, and I knew his entire life history. And when I'm writing on the page, it was, su- it's super vague because yeah. I know who Ben is. You know what I mean? So if somebody else comes yes. on and like, I don't really know who Ben is. I'm like, what do you mean? Yes. It's Ben. Yep. <laughs> well, Sarah, this has been so much fun. We're so excited because you are like <laughs> such a big fish in this podcasting yep. romance book niche. And we're so Thank pleased you. that you came on. And also like so fun talking to you and just hearing the way you think about books. I awesome. really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It, it has been an absolute joy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.